0: won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like, literally green. My last nav check put me on Lagrange Point 4. This is Control, we read you. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency.
1: Sits and Sits, Captains and Commanders, you're tuned to the Guard Frequency, and as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear in the Guard. This is episode 156 of the best damn space sim podcast ever, and was recorded on Friday, February 17th, and made available for download Tuesday, February 21st, over at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Ken Shadow.
2: I'm Ostron. And I'm Jeff. And in our audio booth is Henry. So what do we have in store this week, Jeff. This week's Squawk Box, it's a bird! It's a plane! No, it's a metric butt-ton of satellites! On the flight deck, we see what news from your favorite space sims has landed as we cover regional servers for Star Citizen and their Valentine sale, and the huge rundown of all the latest elite dangerous news from the live streams, including Avatar Creation, The Camera Suite, New Ships, Multi-Crew, and the rpg controversy finally we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation that
1: takes care of the housekeeping so let's get on with the show and see what's coming through the squawk box
3: hey you boys need a carrier out here uh everything's under control
2: situation normal this is jeff saying welcome to the squawk box everyone With Russia busy hacking American emails and denying any affiliation with Donald Trump... Yeah, right. While NASA is holding its breath, waiting to see how much, if any, funding the U.S. government gives it, other countries are starting to muscle in on the former superpowers' territory. The Indian Space Research Organization may have just set a record. PSLV C-37 took off on February 15th. For most people, time zones may vary and deployed 104 satellites in orbit over the course of 18 minutes. That nearly triples the record of 37 satellites set by Russia back in 2014. 96 were from the United States, and one each from Israel, Kazakhstan, the Netherlands, Switzerland, and the United Arab Emirates. ISRO has been getting attention from nations and companies who want to launch satellites because of their low price point. Indian space missions tend to cost much less than the competitors. For example, India sent a spacecraft to Mars for $74 million, whereas a similar mission by NASA cost $671 million. Some point out that a lot of the savings was realized because ISRO pays its scientists much less. However, those scientists and most of India are celebrating the achievement regardless. Many declared it a century, a term of cricketing milestone when a single batsman manages to score 100 runs in a single inning. We tried our best, but there's absolutely no way to translate that for an American audience. We'll just assume that it's a good thing. That's that's a pretty amazing feat. I guess the take from this is that as technology becomes better and better, those that haven't been able to do before can do now. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that probably in a good way. It's time for us to realize that we could probably do the same things that we were doing for much uh, less monies. And when we cry and moan about the government spending, maybe it's time to take a look at really where that money is going.
0: Yeah, and they said most of the satellites from the U.S. were all from one company that's apparently just a satellite data gathering group. But... All of the satellites that they sent up were, like, less than 10 pounds each.
1: Yeah, this is a statement not only about scale and engineering, but simply about uh, the technology now behind the satellites themselves, right?
0: Well, they said that, you know, that record might even be broken in the not-too-near future because the satellites could probably be even smaller on average as time goes on. Uh, The only downside to that is they said... Since satellites basically usually last for a couple of years and then just die in orbit, if this gets too ridiculous, we're running the risk of creating way too much space junk.
2: Right. But when we think about things like GPS and communications, I'm wondering what these satellites are actually doing, because some of those are very, very, you know large satellite especially communication hub satellites you know they're they're big and with the onset of, of companies like SpaceX and um, the other one replacing these these long I mean there's some somewhere someone was talking the other day that one of our GPS uh, systems was so old that it's it's highly inaccurate and that these things need to be swapped out so it It's good on one hand where we can where we can make use of these you know third party satellite providers and our third party launch systems, but I still like to see the government run space program i don't know i I guess I was born in an era where putting a man on the moon came from the country not not the corporate
1: well there's certain there are certain facilities in orbit that are state provided like you said late like g p s and those are typically more expensive right GPS have to be in higher orbits, and therefore, you're not going to get a cheap satellite up there, regardless. So that it has to be almost be a state funded thing. Whereas a lot of what they're doing, I don't, I don't know what these small these small satellites they're launching are, are technically for. They say communication, but that can mean so many different things nowadays. But I've seen lots of data gathering and scientific satellites that are uh, as small as old coffee cans, or uh, you know, they're 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 technically uh, have basically a smartphone. Parts in them, <laughs> and yeah, know, a s- small yeah, piece exactly. of uh, a small small sensor array, and then some some sort of power, right? Usually uh, solar, but those kinds of satellites are going to be in much lower orbits, which decay much faster, and are you know only good for a couple of years at best, anyway. Yeah, of course. So I, so so it does solve part of the problem that you mentioned, Astron, in that when they're launching these cheaper satellites, they are usually launching them into orbits that will decay and are not not something that we have to worry about past a certain, certain lifetime. But but they do serve a different market from what most governments would be doing in orbit, I think.
2: Red, seen or heard something you might find interesting to others listening on the spectrum? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's see what news has hit the flight deck. Speed
3: 175, Port Bay, hands-on
0: approach, checker screen, call the bomb. Don't get technical with me.
1: Our Star Citizen crowdfunding update for February 17th, 2017. $143.1 million, up about $420,000. 1.746 million registered accounts, up about $9,000. 1.216 million ships in the UE fleet, up about 3500 Just prior to recording, SIG announced 2.6.1 went live. The patch mostly contains a quality of life improvements and bug fixes, but it also implements the new Spectrum system, some balance changes to Arena Commander and Star Marine, and implements the new regional servers, which were discussed in Around the Verse this week.
0: As many people are aware, CIG hosts their servers in the cloud rather than trying to maintain their own hardware. The cloud still has physical machines involved, though, so now what they're doing is making sure that the physical servers are located in convenient regional locales for players. Currently, the servers are sitting in North Virginia, United States, Frankfurt, Germany, and Sydney, Australia. The plan is to eventually expand to 14 or 15 regions. All the regional servers are still feeding off of one database, though, so all game data transfers regardless of regional server location.
2: If you want to test out some regional goodness, CIG is having a Valentine's Free Fly event. And a sale to go along with it, of course. The Free Fly involves a code that allows access to Constellation Andromeda in the PU Alpha. If or when people get hooked up in the game, they can head over to the sale and purchase ships up until February 28th. Currently available are the Mustang and Aurora starter packages, the 85X, 350R, Super Hornet, Aegis Vanguard, Warden, and Associated Battlefield upgrade kits, and a limited number of Starfarer Geminis. In the spirit of Valentine's Day, all the ships have a double sale offer where you can purchase two of the ships for a slight discount. <laughs> Is that so? Sneaky little CIG.
0: Yeah, in case you know, both of you need to be flying humongous fuel haulers for. Whatever yeah,
2: reason. I, I, I would be very curious. I am very curious. Sorry, I'm not would be, but I am very curious about the number of spouses that actually play together or uh, looking forward to this uh, star citizen. I would think that the number is fairly low.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's low. Now, I have met a number of people that have come to the Bar Citizens with their wives, and their wives said that they will be playing when it comes out. Um, I know, uh, if anybody knows the leader of the Facebook group, uh, Ion Traz, or Traz Ion, however you want to say his name, uh, his wife always comes to the Bar Citizens, too, and she's all super into the game. And I know at least another... Probably uh, six or seven couples I've seen some similar things.
2: Yeah, but that's not an exception to the norm. That's more of a ratio of uh, one in ten, right? Sure. Yeah. How many ships do they think they they sell for these things, though?
1: (laughs) I mean, most of these ships are being sold to the people that have bought ships before anyway, right? So it's these hardcore people.
0: I don't know. Well, although the number of accounts and the number of ships in the fleet continue to rise week after week, suggests that at least somebody's got to be doing something new. No, no,
1: no. There's lots of starter accounts and stuff yeah. like that being bought every day, I think. My comment is more on the big ships. I think the people that are buying the 2 and 300 dollar ships, I think the vast majority of them people are serial buyers.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. When this game actually gets uh, out into the verse, I mean, when we actually are alive, there's going to be some people that probably won't fly some of those ships. <laughs> you know? Oh, I, I, I,
1: I have more ships than I'll probably end up flying, honestly.
0: <laughs> which, which means if the economy is modeled as well as they say, it'll be really funny if suddenly there's a, like... A complete crash of the starship market yeah, just because exactly. there's so many people offloading used ships. Oh. That,
1: that, that is a problem, though. I mean, I've met people that bought ships with the expressed intention of selling them in the universe so they would have scratch money to start their factory or whatever they think their next big purchase was going to be.
0: Yeah, it'll be an interesting economic experiment. And uh, uh, it time will comes. be. So, have you guys tried out the Spectrum yet? No,
2: actually, I, I have, have not, not updated yet, so I have not been able to try out the Spectrum. I will, I ha, it is on my task list because it goes into our corporate stuff, so I will be checking it out. Now, I hope to have some information for you all by next show.
1: So I've checked it out a little bit. It's it's really slick interface. It looks kind of what like what they've presented before. Well, it's basically very slick live forums where the, the chat and the forum are closer together than they were before. Not a lot of content, obviously. Uh, I guess we can all report back once we've used it,
3: actually. Yeah,
2: no, I'm kind of, I thought this was a web-based thing and that the spectrum was going to be on the on the Star Citizen side of things and not in the client itself. Am I am I incorrect and assuming? No, should... it's,
1: it's, it's both. Okay. It's going to be both. Right now, it's all web. But in long term, it'll be mobile, web, and game, all one thing. Right. All one database. So if you're in chat in the game if you're, you could be in subscriber chat in game or something like that, right? And then still see the same thing on your phone.
2: No, I, I think that's great. I think on the corporate side of things, that's going to be a humongous benefit. I mean, there, there's been a couple of games that
1: try to do this for a little while, but most of them end up abandoning it. Right. And then there's a couple of games that do mobile enablement. They end up taking like two, st- two steps back when they actually do their app. Right. And it'll be really interesting to see where Star Citizen lands on this, you know, one platform, all devices thing. And where it, uh, if it actually makes all its dreams come true, where lots of other people have failed.
2: Our Starsis and community question is, anything about 2.6.1 making you feel happy or sad? What are your impressions of Spectrum? Let us know in all the usual ways. Details following feedback. It was a big week from Frontier as they
1: hosted two... Live streams aimed at showing off the biggest additions in Elite Colon Dangerous, coming in the Commander's Update, will cover the topics in roughly chronological order. The biggest thing that was touted in the first live stream was the avatar creator. No longer will players like Henry have to deal with the horror of a decapitated body sitting in their cockpit or bridge. On release, players will be able to create their own avatars with a full suite of tools.
0: Speculation was quite varied leading up to this. Some assumed the creator would produce simple 2D pictures such as were seen on com screens now, and others thought the avatars might resemble the characters in some of Frontier's other titles, which have a decidedly cartoony feel. The concerns and speculation were blown away when it was revealed that full 3D heads were available for Commanders to adjust. In addition to a number of preset heads, there are individual controls for adjusting hair, hair color, eyes, and a number of other features. The granularity of Control was rather impressive for a game that doesn't feature first-person play. Some facial features are customizable by slider rather than preset templates, and extras like dichromatic and cybernetic eyes were nice surprises.
2: You, you know what I thought of when I first saw this? I, I thought of EVE!
3: Oh, the cybernetic eyes?
1: Well, Can I get two cybernetic eyes?
3: Yeah, you can have both cybernetic eyes. Sweet. That's really like EVE. I was amazed at how natural some of the faces looked and how good some of the likenesses were to some of the devs.
0: Yeah, the thing where they matched up the devs was impressive.
3: Yeah, in the first stream they showed Ed, and in the second stream I think they showed uh, Mr. – is it Woods, I think? Adam? So the, these these avatars get turned
1: into placards for in your comms, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, they're visible in your comms, and they're visible in your friends list now.
1: If you don't have this update, then you're just you're just
3: like a shadowy guy, right? Well, I think everyone would have this update, right?
0: Does it depend on that whole horizons no horizons split? I don't think so. That's an interesting question. I hadn't even
3: considered though. I had assumed it, this was all
1: horizons.
0: Well, it's a general enough system; it might apply regardless.
2: I I think it's reply I I I'm trying to remember the li- the the recording of the live stream I saw, and I think it was all elite. Not
3: not just Horizon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's everybody.
1: Oh yeah, because if you can't create an avatar, how would you multi-crew on somebody's ship?
3: Right,
2: right. Well, what I would find fascinating is that we have the technology. It's just like take a, a selfie with your smartphone and upload it and have the 3D generated, and then you can tweak it out. How? You, I mean, you know, obviously, I want to get rid of my gray hair and and uh, maybe smooth out the wrinkles
0: a little bit. I mean, after all, I am immortal. I mean, photographs are still much more high fidelity than a lot of the games can produce without causing a serious uncanny valley problem. Well, I, I know. I was actually impressed that they had the... Since you mentioned the wrinkles, I was impressed that they had an age slider on it. That's something I haven't seen even in most, like, first-person single-player games.
3: Yeah, that combined with the scar features and things and the bionic will. you some good roleplay elements. In Star Trek Online they have similar aging features and I used to like to uh, age my character every time he'd go up like 10 or 20 levels. We didn't mention the clothing options that are available in the character creator. Did you see some, some colors will be free so you'll be able to customize your character. You can't do that with any ships. I think all the paint jobs Are paid for, but here you should be able to get some free color options with premium options available in the store. Also,
1: nice, sweet. Is it just the color, or can you get different clothes?
3: There are different styles of suits, but it looks like everybody's wearing the same suit with different kind of texture patterns. But who knows what'll change in the future?
2: Yeah, I'm not going to be flying around my ship in a tuxedo. Yeah, uh, yeah, I
3: couldn't imagine that. But some of the flight suits, um, like they did most of the second live stream, maybe it might have been the first one. I think it was the second live stream in a purple and blue and white suit which i think is going to be one of the premium ones and then they have lots of solid color suits so it's the same suit that you're in currently with the same blue glowing highlights but they had different base colors
1: yeah those suits are all very skin tight huggy muscular men suit things right yeah yeah can can you do different genders i
3: didn't i didn't see this
1: first live stream yeah there are
3: uh male female
2: lots of different races it looks good Elite has no first- or even third-person avatar interactions in the game, so some might wonder what the point of the highly customizable heads are. Well, more utility is certain to come down the road, but for right now, the biggest thing that avatars will feature is the new camera system. Elite has a rudimentary camera that's provided a view external to your ship, but it was fairly static and didn't have many options for customization or control. With the release of Commanders, there will be a full set of controls for third-person camera outside the ship. And it can be way outside the ship. Apparently, the controls allow zooming out to two kilometers. The camera can be rotated and moved around the ship, and it can be anchored to a position or exterior object to track the ship's maneuvers and behavior from a fixed point. Granular controls such as blurring, focus, and zooming are in up to 4x are also available.
1: The ships can still be controlled while in the camera mode, so turning, boosting, and deploying and firing hardpoints are all possible. There are no HUD controls, however, so commanders can't fly or fight in their ships effectively in third person. The new controls do mean that epic screenshots and video will be much easier to create for streamers, machinima creators, and those who just want to show off an epic dogfight or a new ship.
0: So everybody at least from Guard Frequency was very impressed and very excited about these new camera controls.
3: Oh yeah, I can't wait to get into some of that for some video. So yeah, so
1: This means that the camera controls for both Star Citizen and Elite will be a little more on par and It'll be interesting to see if anybody makes a star citizen fighting an elite dangerous machinima show
3: <laughs> that would be something wouldn't it yeah with the avatars and the cameras now it it'd be great to have some like online comics or something like that come out of elite
1: they already have one but it's it's it it didn't have very many episodes so it uh, there's probably more now with the camera controls though that you can do
0: yeah I would think so. Yeah, a lot of people probably started and then got frustrated when they realized how limited their options were. This might encourage more people to go back in and try.
3: The questions I have for the cameras is, how is that going to affect VR? For one, I like to just go into the classified camera mode and go right outside my ship, right next to it when I land, so it's almost like I'm standing on the surface of a moon or something looking at my ship. I wonder if that's going to still be possible while I have free look. Uh, ability when I'm in that camera mode
0: I imagine you'd probably have the ability to look the with the VR headset the same way you could just look with the controls of the camera if you're controlling it in 2d I hope but, so we'll have to see how it works well, you have to be
1: careful in VR, because if you give too many points of flexibility, it's too easy to to for them to do something that makes them ill. So yeah, you do have to be careful what, what flexibility you give them with movement in VR.
0: Okay, this is where new features started to bleed over from one live stream into the next. In the first stream of the week, the devs made use of the new camera controls to show off the Dolphin passenger liner. Originally supposed to debut with the Horizons update, one of the first impressions from Guard Frequency staff indicated that it looked... Like a double-decker coach. Our British to American dictionary tells us that translates to It's a bus that got two floors on it. Okay, we'll go with that. When it was displayed, the ship was landed on a small pad. If that represents the actual size the ship will be in game, the dolphin may end up being an entry-level or at least smaller-sized passenger liner, possibly providing a cheaper option for luxury passenger transport for those who can't shell out for an orca or a beluga. The other
2: new features for ships was hinted at in the screens of the first live stream and confirmed in the second. It will be possible to assign names to your ships. The names will not only appear on your screens, it will also display when other commanders scan your ship. Keep in mind, however, that Frontier hasn't mentioned any filters or restrictions on ship names. So, for every memorable example of linguistic brilliance, there will probably be someone who names their ship after vulgar biology, possibly verbatim. As a final tease, they showed off a brief clip of a super ship. Supposedly, these ships will be akin to mobile space stations. Ownership and overall purpose of these ships is something yet to be divulged, however.
3: Yay, we can name our ships. Yay. (laughs) That was my favorite part of that whole stream is seeing that unnamed ship up in in the corner and thinking, man, are we going to get to name our ships finally, finally.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of, I guess it's more naval tradition. Uh, you know, I don't name my dinghy, but I'll name the passenger liner. Sure. I mean, big bombers had, like the Enola Gay and the Britain Bell and, all. you know, a lot of them had names, but they were still a, you know, B-17 Stratofortress and they had a military designation and And fighter jets are, you know, have a military designation. They don't have names unless you're a Thunderbird or a whatever. So I'm kind of iffy on the whole naming. It doesn't really matter much to me.
1: Well, for me, my dinghy was big enough to name.
0: (laughs) I knew that was coming. Sometime I just didn't know who it was coming from or what (laughs) form it would take. Yeah. Um, Lennon was right, though. As soon as I saw the picture of the dolphin, the first thing that popped into my head was the double-decker buses that traditionally tool around London, except the dolphin was white instead of red.
3: Looks like a water taxi like they have in New York, like the ferries, the water taxis. They're just small civilian transports. I think they'll have their place, but I think people play with them a little and then move
0: up to something bigger. There isn't really an entry-level luxury passenger liner available right now.
1: Is that what the Dolphin's supposed to be?
0: That's the theory because of the size.
3: Yeah, it's a tiny thing. It's it, like uh, even the Asp needs a medium-sized dock. These will take a small dock like uh, really uh, any of the Fighters or Sidewinder. Oh, oh, really? That doesn't seem consistent with the passenger liner, but what do I know? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's probably not really a passenger liner. It's more like a water taxi. It's more like a ferry or... You know what I mean? It's got its place, but it's not something you would take a cruise on. It's like a private jet. Yeah, maybe more in line with like a private jet. Or an, an Uber X. <laughs> <laughs> Space
0: Uber.
1: Depending on your position on planet Earth, the second livestream either happened on Thursday or Friday. And that one was arguably the one people were waiting for, because it covered the most anticipated and talked about features. Multi-crewing. For simplicity's sake, the commander, who is the primary owner of their ship, in a multi-crew scenario, will be referred to as the Captain, for the remainder of our coverage. To their credit, Frontier got right into it. The demo featured a Cobra 3 Corvette, outfitted with hangar bays and turrets to show off the full range of multi-crew
0: options. First things first, if all your friends are hardcore battlefield junkies who wouldn't know a joystick from a joy buzzer, you're still able to partake in the multi-crew madness. There will be a browser of sorts that commanders can use to either solicit crew to join them on their ship, or offer themselves as crew for another commander. There will be categories to select what kind of mission you want to undertake, and counters that will show roughly how many ships are currently searching for crew to undertake particular missions.
2: This is where one of our questions from the first multi-crew announcement got answered. If you are crewing on a ship that is officially conducting legal business such as bounty hunting, and you start misbehaving, you'll receive one warning. Following that warning, if you persist, you'll be ejected from the ship. That's ejected in the play session. Your avatar doesn't get blown out into the void. If the ship is going for a run as a pirate, on the other hand, there is no real limit on what you can do. The whole premise is the trip is illegal behavior, and the game can't be expected to figure out which type of illegal behavior someone should be kicked off the ship for.
1: That said, if the captain doesn't like what's going on, they have 100% control over who joins, how long they join for, and whether everyone gets booted at once, or if they just want to get rid of a particular person they don't want to deal with anymore. The captain can also pull up a performance report of sorts that gives statistics of the trip as a whole, as well as certain performance characteristics for their crew members. That report brings up a tangent feature, which is the ability to block and report other commanders using a history menu that will display commanders you've recently flown with, either as crewmates or in a wing.
0: But assuming you have a ship full of people who share the same relative goals as you do and aren't annoying beyond tolerance, it provides a real benefit to your ship. First of all, a living, breathing player in a ship with fighters allows two of them to be deployed from a single ship, either with two players, each flying one fighter, or with one human, or badger, we don't judge, and one NPC. Using only NPCs will still only allow one fighter to be launched, however. The fighters actually launch, too. When selecting and deploying in a fighter, the crew member sees the fighter in a docking bay briefly before being launched a la Battlestar Galactica. The captain still has full control over directing any NPC fighters. If a crewman
2: doesn't want to leave them on their ship, they can always hop into a turret. The turret view is more reminiscent of tactical fleet combat games. A targeting reticle and a HUD are still visible on screen, as the ship is being crewed, but the reticle is always slightly above the ship. This may be disorientating or immersion-breaking for some, because the turret controller's view is not limited to the actual position or firing arc of the turret or turrets. They can view angles and directions the turrets can't. The devs cited this as an advantage. Ships with crew turrets will be able to have real-time visual feedback beyond what a single commander would. The turret crewers will also be able to track targets independent of the captain, and this includes using basic, warrant, and cargo scanning. Apart from those
1: advantages, the captain gets to use the aforementioned pips provided by the crewmen to power systems. This means in certain situations, the captains will be able to max out certain systems and still have energy left to distribute to others. No individual system can be pushed beyond four, however. Also, they cleared up the buyback discount. Captains whose ships are destroyed while they are being crewed by others will receive a reduction in the buyback costs for their ships. No word on what penalty, if any, will be assessed against Truman.
0: But with the pain comes the rewards. All crew members will be granted the full benefits of any bounty vouchers claimed. The reward isn't divided up. Apparently, that same system is also being extended to wings, so long as you got some hits off on whatever ship you were hunting down. However, for multi-crew, only the captain feels the effects of any merit or reputation adjustments due to completion of missions. The devs suggested
2: that the system as it exists currently is designed for drop-in style gameplay, where the captain has a particular goal they're going to undertake immediately. While you can take crew members with you on exploration missions, they wouldn't have a great deal to do unless you unexpectedly ran into some combatants, or they're serving as camera crew. Right. We forgot to mention that crew members have their own independent camera controls, just like the captain of the ship. All right, Henry, go. (laughs) It's worth noting that the the
3: power systems work a little differently uh, than what we explained. I think what actually happens is the captain gets to assign all the standard power. And the crewman gets to assign his PIP, which is in addition to the standard power. So that crewman gets to move
0: that around. I thought the captain still retained full control over everything. I think that's
3: what I'm saying. I believe it's the crewman because they showed the blue pit from the crewman's position. And he was moving it around talking about how it didn't affect the captain's allocations. He also huh. gets to assign his own weapons groups and things like that without affecting the captain's settings.
1: So ships with more crew
3: members get more power? That's the deal. So you get an extra pip to apply. But I think that's not really total power because your your total power is generated by your uh, power plant. This is more how fast power recharges into a particular system. Not really so much what is available to it. It might be a combination of the two, but it's separate from what your power plant's actually producing which is what determines what systems can be on or off
1: also during the uh, live stream they they noted that the captain and the uh, the gunner and i think also the fighter pilot whoever they're targeting the other people can see also
3: yeah and their targets can be different so you can have one right. ship target three targets with a fighter out and a person on guns and another in the uh, at the helm So you can have three different targets for one ship now.
1: Right. And so the person that's on the gun and doing some spotting can scan over and target someone and then tell the captain, the captain can swing around and target that guy too. And they can call targets easier because you can mark them, basically.
0: Yeah. And there are indicators that show you what other people are targeting. So, you know, if you've got a ship that's on the ropes and somebody's already pounding it from the ship you're flying, then you... Don't waste energy or ammunition with everybody piling on when you don't need to.
3: They also, uh, it looks like, speaking of the gunner position, it looks like they added controls for more fire buttons. So instead of having two fire buttons you can assign in a single fire group, you can assign four buttons to fire per fire group. That's supposed to be put in for utility hard points or utility mounts, but it's also something you can use for weapons hard points also.
1: So you can have four different fire groups?
3: You can have multiple fire groups, but within that fire group, you could only assign a one or a two. Now you can assign up to four different buttons to change per fire group. Okay. So it just gives you a way that you can not only have like your trigger fire your cannons and then your second trigger fires your missiles. You could have another trigger on your joystick that is just for firing countermeasures or something like that. But it I would see. change per fire groups. So you can assign it. That's new. They've only had two up to now. So that's a big deal.
0: I found the performance report kind of intriguing when they displayed that. Because it was giving, or at least it had, it seemed to have a space for giving reports on the performance of the individual crew members that you hired or pulled onto your ship. So I wonder, because Star Citizen has always talked about having like a, not really a reputation board, but a performance report board sort of like an intergalactic yelp where you can rate the performance of different crew members for when they get hired in the future i wonder if something like that is going to start cropping up in elite either as part of the actual game or like metagame on a website somewhere where people will start contributing performance reports of different people they've crewed with
3: It'd be cool to see them do that in-game and not rely on another third-party app to track that. Because there's so much you can do in Elite right now that you use a third-party app for, you know, like the Trader database, that kind of stuff, that they could be doing in-game. And I'd like to see if they're going to do something like that. I'd like it to be tied right in-game to the menus that are in there already. But it's a nice idea. I don't know if that's planned, but it's a really good idea.
0: So what was your impression of the turret view?
3: I mean, I understand why they're doing it that way. I would, I kind of like being tied to my cockpit. I kind of like the idea that you don't have a very good external view of your ship sometimes. You know, I I get why they restricted that in the beginning, but I don't know how they would implement turrets in a way that would be fun without doing it this way. Otherwise, you'd be jumping to blind spots all the time just to be viewing from a turret, and you wouldn't be really fighting as effectively as your ship would fight without a multi-crew, because all your turrets wouldn't be firing at a time. What good is having one person in a turret, in, in a single turret? You know what I mean? So I get why they did it, but it's not what I was hoping for, but I get why they did it. I love the view. <laughs> I
0: thought it's, it's cool. interesting.
3: It's just it goes against some things that they set out in the beginning that they said they weren't going to do, you know, all these camera views and being able to move your camera infinitely away from the ship and being able to fly while you're in camera mode. They just said they weren't going to do that, so I thought that was interesting that they've completely 180'd on that. Uh, well, but I'm not yeah, criticizing it. It's so, going to be cool. As long as I can still look around in VR, I'm a happy camper.
1: I, I think that there, it's probably still the, the, the same thing that, well, there, there's two different things here What you just mentioned. Number one, just the general camera views, and number two, the specifically the turret thing, right? Right. So on the, on the general camera views, their reasoning is probably very similar to what Star Citizen's dev reasoning is. And that's because they spend a long time on these ships, and people want to be able to look at them. Yeah, I agree. And so at the end of the day, it's, you know, fun wins over practicality.
0: Also, neither game is giving the third person. If you're just one person in a ship going in a third person view, you don't get your HUD. So it doesn't provide a really effective alternate method of combat, which a lot of people were concerned about.
3: Right. And i like in this system to having crewmen on that can look out the side windows of your ship or run to the back and see things or use different cameras mounted on the ship. They'd be able to call out this kind of tactical information that they can see like this uh, player on your left is wanted, you know, come about this far, or turn to your right or right directly behind us. There's somebody coming. That's why you want to have that second crewman anyway. And if they didn't have the tools to do it, they wouldn't be having any fun. So I totally get it.
1: And the other thing is that the, if you were going to do it from the cockpit, that cockpit view sucks. So <laughs> so not only is that bad from a point of view, it, you'd, end up, you'd end up looking at your screen the whole time, and, and that just sounds boring, really, at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah,
3: you're right. You're right. Like It's like we said. We get it. We totally get it. It's the probably the best way. For them to implement it and i think that larger ship battles with turrets are going to be fantastic from that view it's going to be a different experience than you're used to in elite but i don't think that's a bad thing it's going to be cool did anybody catch at the very end of the live stream the second one ed said something like i don't or we haven't seen the best of 2.3 yet and the multi-crew programmers were like oh i don't know multi crew's pretty good but then sandra says no i agree with ed who thinks he's talking about an alien invasion What do you think? Is that what it's going to be? I mean, it's something that they're not advertising. It's got to be something for us to find. I don't know. I I feel like that would be... You think it'll be its own season with the core of it being aliens are coming?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to be having some aliens doing more than they're doing now. Like, you know, not just doing the the flashing drive-bys, so to speak but i don't think there'd be a full blown invasion
3: i'm i'm curious what they could be talking about that would be this new thing that they haven't revealed yet it was just very it was interesting to me the way sandra says no you know we i agree with it that. that was really cool something they've got something planned and i'm 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 interested now, so I can't wait to see what that is.
1: So they, they did nix any speculation about potentially being able to walk around your bridge. If they hadn't said that, I would have said
2: hot coffee
3: mod. But I don't, I don't think that's what it is. Well, see, we can already walk around in VR. Maybe you know, maybe they consider that implemented.
2: I would love a hot coffee mod. Just, uh, just you know, my avatar moving and drinking, uh, drinking hot coffee, steaming hot coffee. That would be perfect.
1: That's exactly what I was talking about. <laughs>
3: You're not talking about the uh, San Andreas mod there?
1: No, no. It's the Coffee with Thargoids mod, right?
3: Oh, there was a hot (laughs) coffee mod for Grand Theft Auto San Andreas years ago. Google that. We won't talk about it here.
1: (laughs) I I am being facetious.
3: Oh, duh. Sorry. (laughs) Well, the only other thing I want to mention is, how do you guys feel about them not letting you multi-crew and then wing up? Do you think that is something that, obviously they're going to say that was for balance, but I noticed the multi-crew and the wings both use a similar HUD. I think it's the same HUD elements. I wonder if it's just too crowded to multi-crew and have wings all on the screen at once.
2: I, I was kind of curious about that, too, because I was thinking armadas or really big battles or something, you know, that maybe that's a fix in the future. Maybe that's an update coming.
0: Yeah, I, I get the feeling it's more of a technical limitation than a balance one. Because the, I mean, like you said, the advantages to having a sh- ship crude, they're noticeable, but they're not game-breaking. It's not like if you have a multi-crewed ship, you're going to immediately own a comparable ship that isn't. You're going to have have a a slight slight edge. I don't know.
3: I think you have a pretty big edge, especially if you work uh, as a unit. You know, the evasive actions you can take when somebody's got your turrets are going to be huge compared to what happened without that. I would be hard-pressed to say that a multi-crewed ship is going to overcome a wing. Yeah, maybe not a wing. You're right. But as a, you know, ship against ship, even with fighters launched, I think it's just going to be an effective way to play just because you're going to be able to call targets to each other. Oh, yeah, I gi- I'll to, give you that. Um, yeah, somebody's going to be able to force someone off your tail by firing missiles at them. I mean, you can even fire missiles backwards now, which you couldn't do before because they work just like the scanners. You can fire completely, or you know, directly behind you with forward-facing missile weapons. So it's going to really be a game changer, I think, um, when you're talking about large-scale battles. And I feel like We're missing something by not being able to wing up,
0: too. Well, if it is more technical than balance-related, then that'll probably be coming down the line.
3: Possibly, but I felt the same way about player-launched fighters when we were only able to have one crewman, who is an NPC, and only launch one fighter, but we could carry several. You know, that felt like a, a limitation that was artificial. It felt like there was no reason to do it that way, unless it was a technical issue.
0: We'll have to see. Elite
1: didn't come out of the week smelling with wine and roses, however. Controversy cropped up surrounding the pen-and-paper RPG Kickstarter being developed and crowdfunded by Spider-Mind Games. The Kickstarter was doing comparatively well, having raised £60,000, which was 20000 over its target. However, four days before the close of the campaign, the campaign was suspended because of a copyright infringement complaint. The complaint was filed by one Chris Jordan, apparently an associate of Ian Bell, one of the developers of the original Elite, and the person who apparently holds Bell's copyright.
0: The crux of the claim is that the book at the center of the RPG uses material from Elite, the original game, in violation of Bell's copyright. Spider Mind says this came as a shock because they had worked with Frontier to license the use of all materials. They feel as though they are the proxies in a copyright war, and Jordan's complaint should actually be directed at Frontier.
2: Our resident legal guy took a cursory look at the situation and offered this opinion, because black holes would start ejecting matter before Tony doesn't have an opinion to offer. And I am not going to try to sound like Tony, but I will do my best. Bill has signed to pardon the rights to use his 50% shows of the IP for all purposes, but... Barden couldn't sub-license it's a personal power Barden could and did transfer the rights to Frontier eventually, but granting the RPG company the rights to use the IP elements partially created by Bell was an effective sub-license That's the sticky part Basically, if Barden was doing it Bell, via Jordan, is cool with it If everyone except Barden is doing it Bell slash Jordan wants some more monies There I think, like,
1: it's, I think it's Braven,
2: right? Or Braden,
3: yeah. Uh, yeah, it was Braven. Oh, uh, okay. You want me to redo the whole thing? <laughs> well, he was reading as Tony. It's really Tony's problem. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's...
2: that's okay.
3: <laughs> I mean, Tony needs to learn how to pronounce that. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Poor Tony.
2: <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I think it really sucks for these guys, because they're being used as some sort of test case for what basically sounds like a like a patent troll to some degree now what exactly Ian Bell's relationship with this guy he licensed his stuff to or he's using or he's is this attorney he's using here is is, is really fuzzy because it, it sounds like Ian is, is Ian Bell dead or is he still alive I think he's alive so it sounds like Ian Bell wants a piece of the action.
0: Well, the tricky part is that apparently Jordan owns the copyright in question, which can happen. I mean, the most famous example is before his death, Michael Jackson actually owned the rights to a large portion of the Beatles catalog, despite several Beatles still being alive.
1: But but I thought the, the the statement earlier was that Ian Bell transferred his rights to Braven.
0: Yeah,
3: but it says he couldn't
1: sublicense it. That was a right. So what would what would be the effective power of the cell just for the sublicenses?
0: Right. So so Braven could use the rights for whatever he wanted as long as it was him. Right. Using. Exactly. As soon as it went to
2: another party, then there is a copyright infringement that says, "Look, I only gave this to Braden because he's a friend and." A co-developer or whatever, and you are now trampling on my rights.
1: It just sucks. That this didn't come out earlier when Frontier was licensing this all over the place. Uh, I guess obviously when they are making a little less money off of it, and now it comes up for the the RPG here because.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a sketchy move because the article even said that like the company that this Chris Jordan guy is representing was only created last week. So obviously it was put together expressly for the purpose of taking this legal action. And
1: the the amount of money here is so small that whatever they would potentially win – is probably less than what the attorneys' fees would be here, anyway.
2: Well, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a large sum of money that on the onset. I think what it, they're going after is a licensing because if you looked at the Kickstarter, these guys have already generated you know half of more than what they've asked for. And so if they can get a license agreement going, that means that that every game sold, that's where the money's at.
1: Well, no, I I, I think they're trying to get a deal with Frontier. They, don't, they couldn't care less about Spider-Man or the RPG. This is never going to sell big numbers. I mean, it's a print book, for God's sakes. Right. I mean, th- this is all about getting Frontier to start coughing up money so they have the full rights. Or to get Frontier to buy it out fully from them for some unnegotiated, currently, amount of money.
2: So, because of the amount of content, we have several Elite Dangerous community questions. Was the commander-creator all that you hoped for? What do you think of the multi-crew implementation?
0: And do you have any thoughts on the RPG copyright issue? You can submit your answers to that or any of your other feelings on the live streams through all our usual channels, which we'll be covering shortly. But now,
2: it's time for news we didn't use. CIG did a retrospective on the development of the Anvil Hornet in Around the Verse.
1: Frontier has discontinued sales of the Arena as a standalone module, citing confusion amongst customers and low numbers of players accessing Arena apart from the main game.
0: CIG will be having a sale for the Hurricane concept ship beginning next week. Price and ship details will be covered in next week's episode.
2: For those interested, Homebound will be coming to Steam on Friday the 16th. That's yesterday. Get purchasing. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news, let's tune to the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation.
0: Okay, buddy. What's on your mind? We're all friendlies. So let's just be friendly.
1: Some say he counted to infinity twice, and he doesn't believe in Germany. But all we know is he's called the Juve, and he helped put together this week's feedback. A recap of last week's community questions. How is 2.6.1? Did you read something in the monthly report we
0: missed? The research badgers want some time off, so let us know what you think of the Frontier Livestreams.
2: Do you have any plans to play Hellion? What price were you hoping for as it hits early access?
1: Should organizations be able to buy, own, and control all of the same things players do in-game, or does that freedom give them far too much influence over
0: other players? Krell wrote in with quite a bit of response and said, I think the speed changes in 2.6.1 are a good improvement over the original 2.6.0 release. The gap between SCM and max velocity is better balanced. One change I would like to see is more hit points or better protection for the afterburner, With the speed changes they have made, not losing your afterburner has become vastly more important. Personally, I would prefer that they get rid of the SCM entirely as a distinct mode. Give us a single throttle that goes from zero to the velocity cap, and allow us to use the afterburner to accelerate more quickly. Get rid of boost as well, and make it more like a nitrous injection system on a car. The current SCM speed we have now could become the point at which your maneuvering thrusters are unable to keep up with your rotation inputs, and thus you start to get drift at that point. With regards specifically to the Star Citizen economy, I see no reasons why organizations should not be able to buy anything an individual can. The fact that at least 90% of the economy will be in PC-driven gives them plenty of opportunity to keep things in check. Corporations won't have the ability to have the type of impact they can have in EVE. Uh,
2: interesting. I think PC being player corps or player characters?
0: Um, I think he meant um, NPC. Oh. He might have been using a text to type, which is why it came in as NPC. Uh. So yeah, I think he was just reiterating that you know, Star Citizen has always said ninety percent of the economy is going to be driven by NPCs, so there won't be such things as mega corporations that can corner the markets.
2: Right, and that's what I'm kind of—that's what I kind of took out of the the whole back end of that anyway. So I wasn't worried about corporations becoming like uh, like Eve Corps. In general feedback, Sean Newboy writes in and says, as he always does, Love the show! Nimrod77 says, Speaking of old-school
1: manuals like Falcon 4, and he gives us a link to some really nice ones.
0: Those are all from uh, Star Citizen. Right, and I've downloaded them all. Yeah, they're, they're pretty nice. Yeah,
1: I'm pretty sure these are fan-created uh, flight manuals.
0: Yeah, I think they are. Theron Shan gave us a rather large comment that unfortunately we had to cut from this week due to time. As Shiv said, it's too big for this episode's bridges, so we'll use it next week. So just hold on to your horses, theron Jan.
2: Friend called Fi writes in and says, Oh my, they used the B-word.
0: <laughs> I forget what's the B-word. Uh, Belgium. All of us were clueless as to why Lennon apologized uh, yeah. for it, and then through at various points throughout the week we were re-educated that it was the most offensive word in the galaxy according to the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy right (laughs) no new
2: patreons but shiv has labels printed and just needs to stuff envelopes to get to the post office still you've got a three-day weekend shiv hop on it or it's quarter deck for you and this week's community
1: questions anything about 2.6.1 making you happy or sad what are your
2: impressions of spectrum let us know in the usual ways
0: And our Elite Dangerous questions. Was the Commander Creator all that you hoped for?
2: What do you think of the multi-crew implementation?
1: Any thoughts on the RPG copyright issue? You've heard our thoughts, so we want to hear yours. Drop us an email, a tweet, or a comment on our show's post, which you can find on our website or over on our Facebook page. So, how was the show? Are we all functioning crew, or do we need to be kicked for bad behavior? Either way, let us know. Here's how you can get in touch with us. Why not leave us a comment over the show's post at GuardFrequency.com.
2: Or you can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak.
0: You can also use the contact form on our website, and all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind.
1: And that brings us to the end of episode one hundred and fifty-six of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode one hundred and fifty seven on February 28th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at guardfrequency.com.
0: But that's not all. You can also subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, you can always join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 10 p.m. Central, which is also Fridays at 10 p.m. in Guanajato, birthplace of the burrito.
2: I'm hungry now. Do you like what we do? Wanna help us make the best damn space in podcast ever? Drop us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's squawk at guardfrequency.com. And you can also support our shows by visiting our website, clicking on the Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. For just a dollar twenty-five, yeah, that's uh, one buck and twenty-five cents a week, you can get access to the raw recordings of our live shows some guard frequency goodies, and an invitation to our private Elite Dangerous Flight Group. We want to thank all of our Patreons who supported us with their subscriptions week on week and hope that you'll consider making a regular contribution because the more support we get, the better show we can make.
0: Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? We're active in most space sims and would love to have you join us. Check out our website and look under the call sign section for details of how you can fly with us. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
1: We'd like to thank the entire team at GART Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Lowmaster, our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Charlton Edwards, our staff writer, Jace Pintad, and of course, our audio engineer, Mikey. And thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass. and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkies.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely.
0: Reduce thrust. count one five. Squawk seven seven zero zero. Stay on the curve.
1: Our Star Citizen crowdfunding update for February 17th, two It's too many 17s. Too many 17s. Hold on a second. Our Star Citizen crowdfunding update for February 17th,
0: 2017 I don't know. Well, although the, the continual number of account and fleet... I'm going to start that whole sentence over again because it wasn't going where I wanted it to. Okay,
2: any our star citizen crowd are uh, coming
1: down the commander, <clears throat> coming in the commander's update, coming down the commander's update. What is what part of the commander is his update?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I I didn't really <laughs> want to
2: know. Uh, l- so for every memorable example of ling- ling- linguistic brilliance, linguistic yeah. details following
1: and feedback. Are sh- Nope, nope, nope.
0: Nope, nope. That, that should not be there. We start recording around 10 p.m. Central, which is also Fridays at 10 p.m. in Guan...
1: Uh. If no one's listening out there, the deep burlap...
0: Damn it! You almost <laughs> made it through the whole thing! Almost did it. <clears throat> Alright, that, uh, that's pretty much the end of it.